Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. Well, Lord, we're blessed. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness in our lives. We thank you for your mercies that are new and fresh every day. But we thank you that for those of us that are in Christ, we actually awoke this morning as new creations in Christ. Lord, thank you that you make all things new. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you work together all things for good. For those that are called according to your purpose of being conformed to the image of your son. Lord, thank you that you can take the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful in our lives. And you can weave a tapestry of beauty to your glory. Thank you. Lord, this morning as we spend time in your word, Lord, I ask for a gift. I ask for a transaction. I ask that you would reveal to us your heart, that you would reveal to us what you feel and what you want in the earth today. Father, we confess to you so much of the time it's easy to be self-centered and self-focused and or family-focused or just in our little orbits But God, we thank you that you've made us a part of the story, the big story of what you're doing in the universe, and we get to be a part of it. Father, thank you from this little corner in Northwest Houston that we get to join you on your mission in the earth, and that is just awe-inspiring. So grateful. So would you anoint our ears to hear? Would you... Open up our eyes to see, and would you grant to us soft hearts, pliable hearts that can receive impartation, grace, whatever you want to do in our lives today. Pray that for my friends online, Lord, I pray that for our friends in this room, and I ask for it in Jesus' name, amen. I am really excited about the Isaiah 62 fast and our chance to partner with what God is doing in the earth today. And uh, back on April the 2nd, I talked about how God was moving and calling us to join him uh, in something that he's initiated for the earth. And I gave you all the details about how we're gonna be participating in this 21-day fast from May the 7th through May the 28th, and then how we're opening up different times for corporate prayer and the different ways that you can connect online. I'm just really excited. So in my notes, you can click on that message for April the 2nd, or you can find us on the web under sermons, calvaryhouston.com. But um, I'm just, I'm excited that God is speaking to us. And, and again, I'm gonna remind you of the why of the why. We are a people who care about what God cares about. We want to be a people who care about what God cares about. So that's what we shared last week in part one on God's heart for Israel. Today in part two of God's heart for Israel, I want to talk about what God feels and what God wants. What God feels and what God wants. We are a people who feel what God feels and want what God wants. That's actually our desire as the people of God. If you have your Bibles, turn to Zechariah, the book of Zechariah. We're going to start in chapter 1. Zechariah. 
Zechariah chapter 1, verse 12. Here is the heart of God for Israel. Here is the heart of God, what he feels about Jerusalem, about the Jewish people. This is what God says. Zechariah chapter 1, verse 12. Then the angel of the Lord said, Lord Almighty, how long will you withhold mercy from Jerusalem and from the towns of Judah with which you've been angry these 70 years? So the Lord spoke kind and comforting words to the angel and talked with me. The angel who was speaking said to me, proclaim this word. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion. I am very jealous. Now that word jealous in the Old Testament can also be translated zealous. I am jealous, I am zealous. So the New King James Version puts it this way, verse 14. So the angel who spoke with me said to me, proclaim saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, I am zealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with great zeal. Do you hear the heart of God? What God feels is jealousy. He feels jealousy for his land, his people, and for his city, Jerusalem. And we talked about the fact last time that God, what, what God wants is God wants to have relationship with people. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's how he's, how he's revealed himself to us. So he's the God of relationship. He's the God of people. He's also the God of promise. Our God makes promises and he keeps his word. And so the fact that he's kept his covenant promises and word to the patriarchs of faith throughout the years, he's kept his word to, uh, to Israel, he's kept his word to the church, he's kept his word to his son. Our God makes promises and he keeps those promises. And then God is also the God of process. He starts something in the natural and then it speaks to us in the spiritual about what he's doing. And so our God, the process matters to God and also place matters to God. Place matters to God. You know, Israel did not choose to be chosen. They were chosen, right? We read this morning about us being called. Praise God, he has called us. He has invited us in to be a part of what he's doing. And so God says place is important. Of all the earth, God chose this strip of land called Israel there in the Middle East, and he picked that and, and he chose the people of Israel, the Jewish people, he picked them to be a light to the Gentiles. He picked them. He started with Adam and Eve. And then when that, when that didn't go as planned, he picked Abraham, the friend of God, and said, from you and from your seed, I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth. Now, he could have picked anybody, but the scripture actually says he picked the least he picked the most insignificant people on the earth. He picked them and he said, this is what I am going to do. And so, and then our God, so think about this. Our God has made covenant promises to the Jewish people, to the land of Israel, and even to Jerusalem. He said, this is my throne forever and ever. And in Revelation 21, when the new Jerusalem comes up out of heaven, it comes and it joins with Jerusalem. 
Jesus, the king, is going to actually physically come to the earthly Jerusalem. He's going to stand on the Mount of Olives. It's going to split. There is a physicality to our God. Place matters. By the way, this place called Calvary matters to God. He actually chose this place. As we were trying to discern where are we going to build and what are we going to do, we were actually located down Longenbaugh, and that's where we thought was going to be where we were, but roadblocks and things happened and things fell apart, and then God led us to this place. And we know from prophetic words over this church, we know from encounters with the living God that this is a portal place. This is a place of encounter like Bethel, where Jacob said, hey, God's in this place, and I did not even know it. And so we pray that when people come onto this property, that they encounter the living God. When people place matters to God. And so God had a place for us, this place on Cherry Park Drive as a people. Place matters. So that's what God, that's, that's, that's what God values that's who God is. And, and God says, I, I want you to feel what I feel, and I want you to want what I want. And he says, how I feel is I am very zealous, very jealous for Zion, for Jerusalem. And then uh, in reading on down in verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. Chapter 8, verse 1 to 3 in Zechariah. And the word of the Lord of hosts came saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Zion with great jealousy, and I am jealous for her with great wrath. Thus says the Lord, I have returned to Zion, and I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called the faithful city, the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. And again, the New King James, verses 1 and 2 of Zechariah 8. Again, the word of the Lord of hosts came saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, I am zealous for Zion with great zeal, with great fervor, I am zealous for her. So I want you to hear what God feels. God feels jealousy and God's jealousy is different than ours, right? It's not a possessive thing or a controlling thing. It's a zealous, it's a passionate, it's a righteous love. He doesn't want us giving our love to other lovers, our worship to other lovers, because he knows that that leads to dysfunction. He knows that our lives were meant to live in union with him. We were created to be intimate with the living God. He knows because he's the creator, he knows the specs. He knows how our lives are meant to go and you and I have proved him right, right? Because when we've done it our own way, what did we create? Mess, right? We are messy. And so we create messes, we create brokenness and God says there's a way that life works and it's in communion, it's in union, it's in relationship with me. So he burns for us and out of his mercy, he actually, when we start going astray after other gods, after other things that, are, that we say are more important than him, he said, thou shalt have no other gods before me well, in our culture, we don't make idols out of wood, do we? But we make idols out of money. We make idols out of ideology. We make idols of what's important to me. Sometimes we make idols out of family, where family becomes more important to God. Or our work, we just, we're just broken like that, right? 
And so God's a great leader, and he loves us so much that he disciples us. The word discipline comes from the word disciple. God is good that he says, you know, you're about to go off a cliff there. I think I'll help redirect you. And so he gets our attention, and he leads us well. And so in Zechariah chapter 8, verse 7 and 8, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I will save my people from the countries of the east and the west. I will bring them back to live in Jerusalem, and they'll be my people and will be faithful and righteous to them as their God. So God has revealed himself as zealous, as jealous for Jerusalem, the land of Israel, and the Jewish people, which we just read in Zechariah chapter 1, Zechariah chapter 8. Now sometimes God's jealousy, his zealousness, burns like a fire. It burns against Israel and his people to burn up that idolatry, to burn up that false worship, to burn up that wrong way. But it also inflames and consumes the nations that oppose God's beloved, his Israel. And so, you know, a a bridegroom, a husband gets supercharged when his spouse is being misused, mistreated, abused. And so the Lord does both, right? His, His jealousy, his energy, his zealousness corrects us and corrects those who don't treat the bride, the people of God, who God has a heart for that treats them the way that he wants them to be treated. Nahum chapter 1 verse 2 actually says that the Lord's jealousy consumes his foes in defense of the nation of Israel. So this same jealousy, zealousness, moves the Lord to restore Judah, to comfort her, to protect her, and this jealousy on behalf of Judah compels him to actually renew his blessings to her. And God says over and over and over again that although we made a choice and we went the wrong way, he chooses mercy. God does not want wrath. He does not want judgment. God embraces mercy. And it says that his wrath lasts only a moment, but his love lasts forever. That's good news, amen? So his correction is not meant to destroy but his correction is meant to bring us into his purposes. And he gives the same opportunity to those that oppose him in the, in the nations of the earth and others. So God is zealous. God is jealous for his Jewish people, as we read in Zechariah chapter 8, verse 2. And he'll, he'll actually bring them back to live in Jerusalem, to live in the nation of Israel, the land of Israel. Verse 2 says, again, I'm very zealous, very jealous for Zion. So in Acts, in Zechariah chapter 8, verse 2, he's, he's echoing back what he said in chapter 1, verse 14. And so his jealousy grows out of a covenant relationship. He's made a promise that he's going to have a people. And it describes his protective love for his beloved for Israel. And, and God actually calls them to exclusive worship of God. It, it calls them to follow him and to be a light to the nations. Now, again, we talked last week. One of the problems when people are chosen is they get the big head, right? 
we get the big head. And so I'm chosen, so I think I was chosen for privilege. I was chosen for advantage. No, we were, the, the reason why God chose Adam and Eve was to partner with him to exercise dominion, to be his co-labors in the earth, and they chose their own way. And so he invites then the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to partner with him, the Jewish people, and they misconstrued it and thought God's just out to bless me, and so God's gonna bless us as a nation, and we don't want anything to do with the other nations. Now, lest we become, I guess, prideful as the church, as we look back through the history of the church, the church has done the same thing, hasn't it? The church has said, you know, these blessings are for us, and so we huddle in and we draw the line and draw these bounded sets that says you're either in or you're out. And so, and, and the Lord Jesus is going, oh man, that's not my spirit. That's not my way. I came to seek and to save. I came to, to heal, save, and deliver. I came to those that were sick and needy and this thing. So we're not judging Adam and Eve. We're not judging the children of Abraham. We are them, right? We, we do the same thing. We, we misconstrue what God is doing and said we're blessed not to be a blessing, but we're blessed because obviously we're worth it and we deserve it. And then when things don't go our way, we get really confused in America. You know, we, we go, wow, does God love me if I go through trials, if I go through troubles, if I go through testing and financial difficulty and relational difficulty? Can you imagine people betraying me? Who do they think they are? Who do they think I am? They need to know who I am. And so we get lost in that kind of stuff, right? And Jesus just said, hey, it's really good that you get to lay down your life for another. Isn't that exciting? And we go, can we rethink this? Let's talk about this a little bit. Isaiah 42, 13 summarizes many of the themes of divine jealousy. Isaiah 42, 13, the Lord will march out like a mighty man, like a warrior. He will stir up his zeal, his jealousy, with a shout, he will raise the battle cry and will triumph over his enemies. Isaiah 59, 17. God put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal, in jealousy as in a cloak. And so God says, you know, I've got to, I've got to, I just don't have a tolerance for rivals. You know, God says, if you're gonna follow me, then come follow me. And you, we make a choice to leave everything else behind to follow him. And so as we lose our way and we start worshiping and focusing on the wrong things, he comes and he says, that's not going to work for you. Let me help you. Let me redirect you. Let me change you. And all through the years, Pastor Steve would say this. He said, you know, if a glance from God would get your attention, then you won't have to use a two-by-four. Isn't that good news? We want to be a people who are really responsive. Some of us are going, man, my life, it just feels like God is opposed to me. Well, who is God opposed to? The scripture says God is opposed to the proud. But to the humble, he is near, Right? And so if there's this oppositional thing going on with us and God, I would surmise, I would just submit to you that it's probably not God. 
It's us, right? So we stop and think, Lord, search me and try me. See if there's any broken way in me, any wicked way, any, any way that's leading me astray. Can you help me? Isn't that a great way to live? Is just God's fixing us, God's changing us, God is bringing wholeness to our lives, and we need help. You know, we read the stories in the scriptures of the people who messed up in the Old Testament, and, and we go, man, there were some broken people there. Then we read about Paul, and we read about Peter, and we read, you know, everybody talks about what kind of disciple Peter was. He was always putting his foot in his mouth, and he was always doing all these things. But you know, those people, David, was a man after God's own heart. He just quickly repented, usually. And those times when he didn't, it was costly, right? So God's not looking for perfect people, but he's looking for people who are responsive, who are paying attention. Again, wouldn't it be great if he can get our attention with one glance of his eye? That's what I'm praying for. And I'm praying for that, you know, to do that. And, and that doesn't always work for me. You know, sometimes the Lord has to do something else to get my attention. But I'm working toward this, where in everything I'm responsive to him. I, I pray that for all of us. In Zechariah chapter 8, God's jealousy moved the Lord to provide for his people's needs. So his jealousy, his zealousness is, is the thing that energizes him. He, that's what God feels. That's what God feels. And so... Um, like when the disciples came back, you read all through the New Testament and the Bible says Jesus rejoiced. And that word rejoice is actually a word picture in the Greek. He would actually spin and celebrate. Can you imagine the king of the universe having a dance? He just, they come back, hey, we saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He just would spin and, and just, that is so cool, you guys. By the way, don't celebrate that you have power over demons, but that your name is written in the, the book of life, right? Again, we get our power. As you're ministering and using power ministry and doing things like that, he's celebrating with us. And then we go, wow, I can do this. Oh, yeah, well, not really. But let me help you. And he, and he re-helps us, right? He, he, he works on us. But God knows how to celebrate. God, God loves it. He's a, he's a God of great joy. And so some of us need to tell ourselves that when we come to public worship. Hey, God gets into this. Yeah, but, but you don't know. I'm a, I, I don't like a public display of affection. Well, if I followed you around enough and I watched you with your favorite sports team or your favorite musical thing or your favorite arts event, you know, you went to the theater at the end and everybody stands up and is applauding and you're sitting down, I don't think so. You're going to be... You know, now let's be a people who are zealous, who are jealous, a little bit of energy, right? And so it takes some effort, right? It takes some start because some of us <clears throat> were actually taught emotion is bad. Our God is zealous. He's on fire. If you get next to fire, you catch fire. So, so this is good news, Right? This is really good news. And so we, we, we start where we are, you know. And then obviously you can go off of a, a ditch. We're always into ditches, right? There's a, the road to heaven is straight and narrow, and there's ditches on both sides. So we've got this thing of, you know, I really, uh, 
emotions and affections, they're blah. I don't want anything to do with that. And then we go over here to emotionalism and all that. We're, we fall into these ditches. But you know, it would be okay to have a little bit of, of too much of that emotionalism sometimes, wouldn't it? You know? Maybe. I don't know. Use wisdom. Use wisdom. We catch a vision of how God ties together our longing for awakening, revival, and harvest to reach the Jewish people. So God has put in all of us, there's this desire that goes, God, would you fix our world? God, would you send revival? God, would you, we need spiritual awakening. I've prayed that for decades. Many of you have prayed that for years, amen? We need that. Did you know that God ties that vision for spiritual awakening, revival, and harvest to reaching the Jewish people ultimately? It's an interesting thing. In Romans 9, 10, and 11, which was your, uh, that was your extra content, right? Your extra homework. Some of y'all read through that. Wasn't that incredible, reading Romans 9, 10, and 11? Just an amazing revelation of how God views his people. There, awakening, revival, and harvest are tied to reaching the Jewish people. So, we want to fulfill the Great Commission. We want to see nations turned upside down. Well, one aspect of that, not the only, but one of the major aspects of that is the people of Israel coming to know the Jewish people coming to know their Jewish Messiah. And so we pray for that. We labor for that. May the 7th through the 28th, we're going to pray for a revelation of Jesus to the Jewish people in Israel and around the world that the veil will come off their eyes, that their, their hearts and lives will be opened. And uh, that's a part of what we're gonna be praying. One of the keys to unlocking the harvest is when the Jewish people recognize their Jewish Messiah. And so Israel's national repentance and confession that Jesus is Messiah is deeply connected to the second coming of the Lord Jesus, the Great Commission. And then Romans eleven fifteen talks about the whole earth comes from death to life. It wakes up, and a part of that breakthrough happens when, when God touches the Jewish people, and they in mass, uh, the Bible says all of them, meaning a huge proportion, a huge number. It looks like every one of the Jews. Not every one of the Jews will get saved. We, we know that, but it's, it's big, and it's huge, where someone could say, man, everybody in Houston got turned, turned to God, right? If we said spiritual awakening came here, we'd say everybody turned to God. Well, not everybody would. But man, it would be a huge number, a huge percentage, a huge reality. So Jesus will not return until the leaders in Jerusalem acknowledge him as Messiah according to Psalm 118.26. Now Jesus quotes this in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37 to 39. So turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 23. And here Jesus is actually quoting Psalm 118, and he's actually weeping over Jerusalem because they missed their day of visitation. They, they didn't understand. He was weeping because they refused him, and he knew what was going to happen. So verse 37 says, O Jerusalem, then verse 39, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So you'll see me no more, which is a reference to Jesus' return. Blessed is he means Jesus who comes in the name of the Lord. So they acknowledge him as their Messiah. 
So Peter proclaimed that the Father would not send Jesus from heaven back to earth until many in the nation of Israel repent and are converted. They call it the restoration of all times in the scripture of all things, Acts 3. So look at Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. In particular, he was talking to people that were of Jewish descent at that time. It applies to all of us. But he may send Jesus Christ, verse 21, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by all of his holy prophets. So whom heaven must receive, and mean keep or retain at the Father's right hand until it's the time of restoration, until there's a conversion, until there's a repentance, until there's an awakening, a turning of the Jewish people to the Lord. And Paul taught that the nation of Israel would actually be provoked to jealousy to have a relationship with the God of Israel when they see what God is doing in the lives of Gentile believers. The Gentiles are us, anyone that's not Jewish. He said he's going to stir up a jealousy in them. He's going to provoke them when they see the promises, the fulfillments, the, the character, the nature, the revelation of God there. And this has happened to individual Jews throughout history, but not to the nation of Israel at a national level yet, but we're praying for that, amen? We're praying for the time when Christians would love and support and demonstrate the presence of Christ to Jewish people in such a way that they want what we've got. Now, our testimony throughout history, if you read Michael Brown wrote a book called Their Blood is on Our Hands. What we as Christians have done in the name of God against the Jewish people is it's hard to believe that they're going to look at Christians and they're going to say, we want their God. We want to follow their Messiah because of how we have been used as instruments of evil against them. Um, Anti-Semitism, a lot of those things actually have been voiced by Christians since the, the, the Christianity started. And so our track record is really not great toward the Jews. But there's going to come something where there's a people whose hearts are turned, well, it, it, it's going to occur in the fullness of the Gentiles. It talks about in Romans chapter 11. At some time, there's a, a fullness, there's a blindness on the Jews. Romans 19 and 11 talks about it. There's a blindness that's there, and there's a veil over their eyes, and, and then there's a fullness. There's an in-gathering of the Gentiles, and there's a work of God, a transformational work of God, of intimacy and, and, and with God and with one another, and so transformational that we love what God loves and we particularly embrace not only the nations and are sharing the good news and our life and our love and we're serving those who are the poor, the marginalized and those in need. We're working for the common good locally and globally but we're even doing that with the nation of Israel in particular. And there's such a thing that happens when we walk in mature love, power and understanding of God's purposes toward Jerusalem that it leads to a spiritual awakening in the Israeli, the J Jewish people. Uh, Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, verse 11. Through their fall, Israel's, Israel's fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. I am an apostle, Paul says, to the Gentiles, and I magnify my ministry. 
if by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some. Spiritual blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. And so all Israel will be saved. So there's going to be something that happens that there's such a breakthrough. And, and then when it happens, Romans eleven twenty six, when all Israel is saved, it will result in life from the death for the world, according to Romans eleven fifteen. So God's blessing is on Israel, and it's connected to the fullness of the Great Commission and God's glory covering the earth. So Romans eleven fifteen, if Israel's being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Life from the dead. So that's God's heart for all of us. So what does God feel? He feels zealous and jealous for the Jewish people, for Jerusalem, and for the land. He feels jealous, zealous for that. And he wants us to feel what he feels and to want what he wants. So we want revival in Israel because we want Jesus to come back and we want Jesus to rule and reign on this earth. And we want him to let his kingdom come and his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't that our prayer in Matthew 6.10? We pray that all the time. And then Acts 1.6. What was the first thing? Now I know Jesus had been talking to him for 40 days as well as three years about the kingdom of God. And their mental model still was needing to be shifted. And they still thought he's going to come and do it right now. And he's going to put us on his right hand and his left hand. And we're going to defeat the Romans. So they asked him the question, so when is the kingdom? When are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They had their theology right, but it was wrong in its timing, right? So they, they were all messed up and they couldn't let go of this fact that at his first coming, the Messiah, they believed that the Messiah was going to defeat all their foes and he was going to fulfill all these, these second coming promises. But they did ask the question. And then in Revelation chapter 5, verse, verse 9 and 10, Jesus purchased men, women, boys and girls from every tongue, tribe, language and nation. He purchased us with his own blood. And he brought us into relationship with God that we might be kings and priests to serve our God forever and they will reign on the earth with him. So there's just this longing. We want to cooperate with Jesus and be a part of that millennial reign where everything gets put back into its rightful, it, it's, it, it, its rightful order. There's just a longing in us for that, isn't there? Isn't there an ache? Well, part of what ushers in this this, the kingdom of God in that sense is Israel having a spiritual awakening. The Jewish people encountering the Lord. And so the return of the Lord comes when the leaders in Jerusalem or when the people in Jerusalem say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He said, you're not going to see me again until there's that turning. So that's something to pray for. Pray for a, an awakening. Pray for a revelation of Jesus to the Jewish people around the world and especially in Israel and in Jerusalem. And so today, Israel is back in the land of her inheritance, 1948. And Jerusalem is once again under the rule of the nation of Israel, 1967. And that came about just as the prophets foretold and as Jesus himself 
said. So when Jesus was predicting the fall of Jerusalem, he wept on over it. And again, he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. I tell you, you'll not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so this word was spoken not to the Gentiles, not to the nations, but was spoken to Jesus' own blood family, Israel. He would not return until the Jewish people and perhaps the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem were ready to believe in him. And so, man, when you look through history and you look at what God is doing, you can see God moving and working. He's that master strategist. And Calvary, I just want to say, we have a little part coming up on May the 7th through the 28th. There is going to be a million intercessors for those 21 days at least. The number has actually exploded way past that. Who are going to be praying for Israel, for the Jewish people, and for the peace of Jerusalem. And so we have a part to play in this. And then on May the 28th, that Sunday, there will be a hundred million believers around the world who will pray for one hour at least for the Jewish people and for Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem on that day. A hundred million. And as, as Mike Bickle has shared, we're praying that 10%, 20%, 30% of them will get a burden to include Israel in their prayers going forward. Because today a lot of people just I'm going to talk next week about how, how we sometimes don't relate appropriately to Israel. We fall into ditches. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. But there are some people that think God has no purpose, no plan, no destiny for the nation of Israel. And I want to say that's wrong. And I want to say we actually have a part to play. It would be great if we become the witnesses that we're supposed to be full of Jesus that makes them hungry for their Jewish Messiah. And that we would pray and shake the heavens and remove the obstacles, prepare the way for the coming of the Lord, the scripture says. So we want revival in Israel because we want Jesus to come back and we want Jesus to rule and reign because we need our king. This world needs him. So we're a people who cares about what God cares about. God cares about people, so we care about people. God cares about keeping his promises which he's made and we agree with him and we pray back to him the promises of God because promises matter. We know that God cares about process and we know that God cares about place and that we wanna be a people who feel what God feels and who want what God wants and the scripture says, God says, I am zealous for Jerusalem and I am zealous for Zion with a great zeal. Calvary, may we be a people who not only care about what God cares about, but we feel and we want what our God wants. That's who I want to be in this hour. Would you please stand? We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.